Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Today's a topic that I think could be like a few podcasts, right? I mean, when we start talking carbohydrates... I guess a, a question is, why are we so focused on them? You know, they're a big part of the horse's diet, regardless of the type of diet. We'll kind of talk about different types of carbohydrates. We've also learned that there are some carbohydrates that they were part of traditional horse diets. Think sweet feed, think corn, oats, barley. They're cheap. They're readily available. They're really energy dense. But we have learned with time there are numerous reasons that they aren't necessarily the healthiest component in the horse's diet. On the flip side, sometimes when we're trying to reduce carbohydrates, specifically sugar and starch, maybe sometimes we get so focused that we don't look at the whole picture of the diet and maybe make some decisions that aren't the best in terms of balancing the overall diet. So I think it swings both ways. Well, it is just such a that's why I just jumped right into it. It's such an important class of nutrient. And I mean, even from like our perspective in our own diets, we always kind of are worried about carbohydrates because they're, they're really important for energy, right? Like that, that's where we get a lot of our energy from. Yes. And there are the byproducts of carbohydrate digestion, glucose specifically, that you have to have. So you simply cannot exist. There are A lot of tissues in the body that can use multiple sources of energy. The brain, for example, can only use glucose. So you have to have carbohydrates in your diet in order to function. It it just, it is, it is. So carbohydrates, it sounds like, oh, wow, this is just kind of a boring topic. It's not. It is such an important one for horse health, for our own health. And it could just be such a a dense topic. So we're going to keep it fun and light today. I... Starting off, you know, explaining more of this, you know, what are some of the differences in carbohydrates? Because they're not all created equal. Is that correct? Correct. So you can broadly break them into two categories, which are our structural carbohydrates and our non-structural carbohydrates. Structural carbohydrates are fiber, hemicellulose, cellulose. Those are broken down in the hindgut of the horse, and they're used to make energy. They're just used to make a different type of energy than our sugars and starches, which are the non-structural carbohydrates in the diet. Those are broken down in the foregut of the horse, and there are multiple enzymes. They take both sugars and starches, and they really reduce them down to very simple sugars, specifically glucose. And then those are absorbed from the small intestine. And then glucose is used in lots of different ways in the body. And then, you know, I'm reading stuff out there, you know, and I know we've mentioned this before a little bit, is the, is the fructans, you know, the importance of them in the diet. Yeah. I mean, largely for a while, we thought they were maybe important related to grass type founders. And we've kind of learned over time that they're ultimately not as important as we put some significance on. So your fructans, for the most part, are not broken down in the small intestine and the foregut of the horse. The little bit that is, isn't having major impacts. If a giant slug of them got to the hindgut, you could create some problems, but that's relatively rare. So even though fructans are a type of sugar, they really don't play into kind of this bigger discussion of carbohydrates that we're going to have today. 
Right, right. Okay, good, good. That, that's a good explanation. Thank you. And, you know, so focusing more on the the non-structural, because structural, you know, it, it's the fiber. We're not too worried about that in the diet with the horse, right? Like, it, 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 that's actually something we, we want more of. Is that a correct statement? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're worried about it from the standpoint that we need to meet a minimum amount of structural carbohydrates in the horse's diet of fiber in order to keep their digestive tract healthy. There aren't any negative health impacts to feeding more and more fiber in the horse's diet. Unless you get to some of that indigestible type fiber, think you're like super stemmy hay. That's high in lignin content. It's not actually a carbohydrate, but it complexes with our other fiber carbohydrates to make hay less digestible. So from that perspective, your true structural carbohydrates, they are good. We intentionally try to get a lot of those into the horse because that's what they were designed to actually digest. Think about the horse in the wild Mm -hmm. eating lots of fiber. Right. Okay. So focusing in more on these non-structural, because I think that is where a lot of the press a lot in, in the last few years, I'd say even the last decade, we've, we've focused a lot on the non-structural, either feeding too much or not getting enough or, or, or things like that, that we'll get into. So where do horses in the diet get these non-structural carbohydrates? So non-structural carbohydrates are our sugars and starches. And it's interesting you bring up kind of the trend when this first came to light was low starch diets. There was this big focus on starch. However, you know, we've realized that sugar is just important because remember, both sugar and starch end up as glucose. So if you're just looking at one or the other, you're not taking the entire biological impact to the horse in mind. And you can make decisions based on sugar or starch alone that don't make sense overall. So there's a couple different places we're going to bring sugars and starches into the diet. So we'll start with forages. And for actually the bulk of your horses, this is where the majority of NSC comes from in their diet. If you think about it, even though your con- your hays are usually lower NSC than a lot of your concentrates, particularly things like your whole grains, horses eat a lot of hay each day. So, you know, if you just multiply out that amount of NSC, which in forages is primarily sugar, by the amount of just total hay they're eating each day or grass, this is actually where the bulk of the sugar in their diet comes from. So it is something that if you have a metabolic course, it's important to focus on the concentrate, but you can't forget the forage because so much comes from that portion of the diet. So in forages, you're primarily having sugars. If we are looking at our concentrates, it's going to be a combination of sugars and starches. So your traditional horse feeds, the sweet feed, the corn, oats, barley, those are really high in NSC. So, you know, corn's probably 75% NSC on average. Oats are in the mid 50s. Barley, probably around 60%. These are really, really high. Your forages, they vary considerably. So I almost hate to give you a number because I don't want someone to say, oh, that's what it is. But You know, if you look at a grass type hay, we will see numbers anywhere from 7 or 8% NSC up to 20% NSC sometimes. And the challenging part of that is that you have to test your hay to actually know what the number is. We can't look at hay. We can't take, 
you know, the variety or the cutting and come up with averages simply because it's so dependent on the growing and the harvest conditions. But if we think about, you know, your traditional horse feeds, corn, oats, barley, super high, forage on the lower end. And then we've developed a lot of your modern concentrates to be lower NSC. So we're relying on things like fat and high quality fiber to bring calories into the diet, but keep the NSC of that concentrate lower. So, you know, generally speaking, we call a concentrate that's less than 20% NSC, a lower NSC concentrate. And we have a range in the tribute line, um, anywhere from 12.5% NSC in the essential K, all the way up to kind of mid 30s for some of our race feeds. So those would be the exception where those horses would be receiving more sugar and starch from their concentrate. But if you think about it, the type of job they do, which is quick speed, and they work incredibly hard, those are horses who require more sugar and starch because, you know, it's the only thing that's going to replenish muscle glycogen. So it does a super important job for those horses. The final area, you know, people ask a lot of times about the NSC of, you know, different supplements we manufacture, and we're happy to provide that information. I will say that, you know, most supplements are tiny, tiny, like a couple ounces. So the amount of NSC coming in to the diet from supplements is generally really tiny because you have to think about it's not just the percentage of NSC, it's the amount of any feed that you are actually feeding. So even a supplement that say is 30% NSC, when you only feed two ounces of it, it's such a tiny contribution to the diet. So like if you do some math, for example, let's take a forage that's 12% NSC and how many pounds a day, Chris, are we feeding your horse of this grass type hay? That would give you upwards of about 20 pounds. Okay. You're a good horse owner feeding your horse lots of hay. So that is <laughs> yeah, 2.4. Yeah. 2. 2. Right? yeah, exactly. That's 2.4 pounds yeah. of NSC coming from that 20 pounds of hay. And let's say we feed him six pounds a day of Calm Ultra. This is a performance feed. He's doing a more intense job. And it's a moderate NSC, so 23.5%. That's 1.4 mm-hmm. pounds of NSC. So you can kind of see, even on a horse that in our line, you know, Calm Ultra would be a little bit higher than some of our options. Even then, it's mm-hmm. providing a pretty manageable amount of NSC. The, the difference there, of course, is your forage is generally consumed over longer periods of time versus concentrates are eaten in smaller meals. So it's a little different how they utilize that NSC, but it's just important to think about what does that percentage actually mean in context. Um, Another good example that I like to use is sometimes I will take a horse off, you know, product A. Product A might be lower fat and it might have a similar, even slightly higher NSC than a Calm Ultra, for example. But because Calm Ultra is 12% fat, it's so calorie dense that I can decrease our meal size. Mm -hmm. And even if that percentage NSC is about the same or even a little bit higher, my NSC per meal sometimes goes down. So really important to kind of think about the percentages and also the meal size or the amount of anything given is very impactful as well. Yeah, you can see what you know. Once you start doing all the the figures, you're like, oh, okay, it's 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 not as much as I thought. But uh, and that was a great explanation on it. So I, I, I you know, seen seen it in my head as as you talked about it. I've got a question. Like, 
why are we so focused on NSC levels? Like I remember the research coming out and, and some of the metabolic issues. So what are some of the things that cause this concern all of a sudden or not, you know, not all of a sudden, but it built up to this, this worry about NSC in our diets? Because what issues can they potentially cause? Multiple issues, and we can kind of break them into different categories. So you have your metabolic horses. These are horses with insulin resistance. Equine metabolic syndrome would be kind of a larger umbrella name for that. Uh, Polysaccharide storage myopathy type 1. These horses are really sensitive to sugar and starch in their diet, and we have to keep the levels pretty low. These are the type of horses that are generally on a ration balancer like Essential K, so super low NSC to start, small feeding rate. And then we worry a lot about how much NSC is in their forages as well, because, you know, those horses are going to have issues with laminitis if they're insulin resistant and they have too much sugar and starch in their diet. The PSSM type one horses, they're going to tie up. So those are significant health impacts that, you know, on the very far range would lead to euthanasia of a horse. So we do have to be very mindful. You kind of have a secondary bucket of issues. These are horses, we're going to say they're metabolically normal. But we don't necessarily want to feed a whole lot of NSC in the sense that you're not going to feed them super sugary, sticky, sweet feed type things anymore because we realize NSC leads to hyperactivity. So it can make a horse more amped up. Lots of sugar in the diet can also exacerbate existing ulcers. So some of those sugars would actually be fermented in the stomach and can exacerbate ulcer type issues. So there's lots of reasons that we don't necessarily need to be hyper aware in the healthy horse. You know, you're not as concerned about your forage NSC and healthy horses that aren't metabolic. But that doesn't mean that we want to feed them straight oats anymore because we realize, A, it's not balanced. B, it's not particularly conducive to overall health. And there's some super fascinating research that suggests that horses that are made fat on high NSC diets are more likely to develop insulin resistance later in life than horses who are made fat on diets that are low NSC. So that suggests some sort of programming going on that the diet is more than just what's happening today. It can have some long-term impacts on their health as well. And then, you know, another area that's been really fascinating, this is more recent research, has been looking in breeding and growing horses. So we, we did a whole podcast on this, but to briefly recap, the diet that mm-hmm. you feed a mare in gestation, if it's higher in NSC, you're more likely to cause a risk of a DOD in that resulting foal. And we absolutely can see growth issues exacerbated by high NSC diets in the growing horse as well. So, I mean, the worst thing you can possibly do is the old school cure for like epiphysitis, which is take them off the regular grain, put them on oats and, you know, crappy hay. Oh my gosh, we couldn't do any worse. But that's what we used to Mm -hmm. think was an appropriate diet. So super high NSC, thinking like super sticky sweet feed, um, just things like straight oats or corn are just things we avoid today because even though they are energy, they're not the healthiest source of energy. It's all about moderation. The horse needs some NSC, particularly if they're doing a higher intensity job. As they work harder, the amount of NSC they require and can utilize goes up, like the racehorse is your extreme example. 
And on the other end of the spectrum, there's no such thing as a zero NSC feed unless we're talking about a fat supplement. Everything has some amount of sugar and starch in it. It's crazy how it's just changed so much. I I go back to a couple decades and we were feeding, you know, rolled corn, like just straight <laughs> rolled corn. I, 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 every morning getting in the tractor, loading up the feed bins, feeding our mares, I, I, I laugh today because you wouldn't want to feed straight corn today to horses. No, under no circumstances. In fact, I mean, in general, general, unless a horse is working crazy hard like your racehorse, we kind of avoid corn because literally all it brings is sugar and starch. It's 75% NSC. There's not a whole lot of room there for other nutrients. But, you know, you go back and you think about all the problems we were probably having and not even realizing it. And, yeah, it just that was one of the things, just a straight, you know, grain feed. It, oh, it's crazy. But it, it's it's exciting that the equine nutrition research in, in the last decade or two has really uh, ramped things up. So that kind of leads me to my next question for you specifically. When you are formulating a feed, you know, with with the, the feeds that Tribute have come out with in the last, you know, couple of years and then what you're planning for in the future, what's your thought process when you look at NSC levels? You know, I guess it would be between like a higher NSC versus a lower NSC. What what thought process do you go through? Great question. So a lot of what you're doing is working backwards. So what is the intended use for this feed? what type of horse, what sort of jobs are they doing? And that helps you make some decisions. And, you know, you're looking at also balancing other sources of energy. So all of my feeds are going to have a combination of higher fat levels that lets us keep our NSC down. Those high quality fiber sources, those are lower NSC. And then some ingredients are going to bring in sugar and starch. That's just the reality. So a lot of the feeds we've released in recent years specifically have been more focused on those horses who require lower NSC. And of course, some of our top sellers are absolutely very low in NSC because they're appropriate for a lot of horses. So, you know, NSC, it's not a bad nutrient. It's just one that needs to be balanced and to be used in moderation. So part of it kind of depends on what type of horse I'm formulating for. If I'm formulating for a racehorse and I tried to feed them Calm and Easy, for example, that's only 13.5% NSC, I would negatively Mm -hmm. impact their performance because they're working so hard and they work so hard day after day that they need more sugar and starch in order to replenish glycogen and to be able to do their job. If I'm thinking about a feed for a pleasure horse, I would be having a very different focus and relying more on those fats and fibers and balancing the natural sugar and starch that comes in from your base ingredients. I will say, you know, outside of formulating, when I'm putting together diet recommendations, like a personalized equine feeding plan, I'm absolutely keeping NSC in mind, particularly, you know, one of the first questions is, does your horse have any known health issues? But again, I'm looking beyond just the percentage. And I'm also thinking about all the rest of the nutrients in the diet. So there's sometimes a misconception that, you know, any feed you feed a metabolic horse has to be under 10% NSC. The question is why? 
Would I like their hay to be under 10% NSC? Absolutely. Can I deal with 11 or 12%? Yeah, it just might change how I manage their forage. Maybe I'll put it in a slow feed net so it takes more time to eat. But if I could feed one pound of a feed that's 12.5%, that would be a lower NSC than two pounds of a feed that's 10% NSC. And we can't forget, even if these horses are metabolically sensitive and they need lower sugars and starches, that they still need all those other nutrients, amino acids, trace minerals, vitamins, pre and probiotics, all of those other things to support their health and wellness are just as important as NSC. So I wouldn't necessarily just recommend, you know, your horse is sugar sensitive, let's just feed them beet pulp because that's low NSC because that's not a balanced diet. You've only Mm -hmm. addressed one particular area to the negative health impact to the rest of the horse. So, you know, we really have to think big picture, and it's certainly something we put a lot of focus on, but it's not the only thing we think about either when I'm formulating or if we are making a dietary recommendation. Yeah, it it is complex, and I think this is a topic definitely worth revisiting, you know, maybe talking about some of those metabolic horses because – you're right. It, it it just can't be. It, it seemed like we got so focused on carbohydrates, but there, the, all the things you have to consider in the diet is complex. So, with that being said, anybody out there listening, if if you are wow, it's overwhelming. Always feel free to to reach out to the tribute team. You know, talk about what you're feeding your horse, and they will help you find the right feed for your exact animal. So, always feel free to do that. But I think we'll just end it there, Nicole. Thank you so much. I mean, that it can be a complex topic, but you know, you definitely showed some of the simple math and, and, and the thought process. So thanks for sharing that today. Yeah, happy to do so. And I will point out, we do have an older podcast that focuses specifically on equine metabolic syndrome and another that goes really in depth on the pasture stuff, because that's a big concern, sugars from your pastures. So you can always look back for those if you're interested in this general topic. We have some other resources there as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, great reminder. So thank you, everybody. You know, keep sharing these episodes. Please keep commenting. Thank you so much for listening. And stay tuned for next week. Thanks, Chris.